You are listening to The Pause Podcast with me, Dr. Benji Epstein, a podcast where we will be giving ourselves the permission to pause. This will be a practical guide to live a life with courage, presence, and authenticity. Join us to reconnect with your most soulful and authentic self by pausing together. All right. Welcome back. Another week. Flew, right? How's everybody doing? We're doing all right. Doing all right. How's Larry doing? Larry gave me thumbs up. Larry gave me us two thumbs up, Larry. Yes. Yeah, good for all of us, Larry. Spiritual worrying is not easy work, but it is worth it. And all of you who are here with us on this journey already can attest to that. And I am so glad to be here with you, Ben, Larry. I'm really glad to be on this journey with all of you together. And we're going to focus on being present with the body for another week. And this is really to emphasize how critical this work is to cultivate a mindful practice and ultimately a mindful life. And the feedback from last week's episode was so powerful. I'm just going to share one of them. Avi Moshe uh, shared this with us, and thank you, Avi. He writes, what came up for me when I listened to the past week's pause was the realization that my healing comes from paying attention to my own body and how this led or how this leads to developing a more full awareness of who I truly am. Thank you for this. Wow, you really nailed it. Thank you, Avi. Avi Moshe, Moshe. Oh. Either way, thank you so much for sharing that. And, and thanks to everyone who's reached out on Instagram, on our WhatsApp status. I've been asked by the powers that be to gently remind everyone, if you haven't done it yet, just pause, pause the pause, and please share, leave reviews wherever you might be listening, preferably positive ones. And your feedback means everything to us. So here we go. I want to start off with a poem that I came across this week to sort of set the frame, the intention, the kavana for this week. And it goes like this. Despite illness of body or mind, in spite of blinding despair or habitual belief, who you are is whole. Let nothing keep you separate from the truth. The soul, illumined from within, longs to be known for what it is, undying, untouched by fire or the storms of life. There is a place inside where stillness and abiding peace reside. You can ride the breath to go there. Despite doubt or hopeless turns of mind, you are not broken. Spirit surrounds, embraces, fills you from the inside out. Release everything that isn't your true nature. What's left? The fullness, light and shadow. Claim all that as your birthright. That's from Dana Folds. Claim all that you are as your birthright, right? We could just stop right here. That's it. <laughs> We're going to keep going. 
One of the points of feedback that I wanted to address before we continued, and there's a really common misunderstanding that in some way meditation is all about transcending the body. Do you have this, Ben? Does this happen? When you hear the word meditation, you think it's this sort of like out there type of activity or we've been doing this for long enough where you see like, yeah, that's not where we're going at. But you could see where that's coming from. I think from. that was my my thought process of what meditation was to remove yourself from your body. But now I, I'm, I've done enough uh, reading and listening to, to pausing know, and pausing <laughs> to know to know that that's not true. Right. Thanks. Yeah. Because that's the that's the initial reaction. Anytime I'm mentioning it to my clients, to the executives I'm working with in my new executive coaching gig. Um, entering, they say like, okay, we're going to meditate. Like, oh, they sit cross-legged and they, they put their fingers in some sort of mudra position and they go, "Mm." and we're really emphasizing here that being alive in this body, imminence is at the center of every experience of waking up. The capacity to be fully awake in this body, in your body, in this moment. And when I was meditating this week, I was sort of struck with this realization of how ordinary a thing we're doing, how basic, basic what we're doing. All we're doing is paying attention to the body in the various ways that we do that. But the practice of this, the cultivation of this attention, when we've trained ourselves so that the mindfulness of our bodies, of being present in our own bodies, becomes the default settings for our minds, that that's where we abide, that's our indwelling, that's the place of shechina v'shachanti b'socham, there's a tremendous power in and from this practice. And like all aspects of this practice, it could really be a gift. This is a gift. And from my own experience and from what you've shared, it can feel like this. And let me know, let me know if this resonates with you. When I catch myself stuck in the midst of the endless thinking, the snowballing of likes and dislikes, or finding myself in the midst of a big emotional storm, and yes, mindfulness teachers also experience strong emotions, or even the more subtle mind states of dissatisfaction, agitation, where on the surface, everything seems fine or even better than, better than Ezra. Still, there's this gnawing sense of dis-ease or in the midst of the ups and downs of life, the waves. No matter what's transpiring, we can always and easily come back to just this breath, just this step, or just this bodily sensation and awareness. And when I think about it more, there have been so many times in my practice that I've just felt this sense of gratitude, this awe, which are going to be future pause topics, gratitude and awe, and that it could be this simple. And as my teachers are constantly reminding me, mindfulness isn't hard. We just need to remember to do it. It's not complicated. It's just the practice of doing it over and over and over. And that's what we are here for, being a fixture in your practice of remembering to do it. We're just that 
reminder. Kovea itim. Kovea itim. That's also going to be a topic. But that reminder that this, there ha- you have to make this. And I think maybe next week we'll talk about that. I like that. The discipline. The mm. discipline of the practice. So you could tie in maybe to Spheres Omer. Right. We can see how that ties. Yeah. Okay. Stay tuned. Teaser. We just did a teaser. They've been asking us to do teasers, and I'm like, ah, barely get the podcast out on time. You want teasers. Anyway, so now consider yourself teased. You have to come back next week. What we're doing is just coming back to the simplest aspect of what's already here. This is not something out of ourselves that we need to go looking for. Keep it simple and stick to the present moment. And now for those of you keeping score at home, bring out your scorecards. How many mitzvot do we have out there? What you got on your bingo card? I got 613. What's on your card? Um, 604. Oh, okay. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. We got 613. And these are divided into 248 positive commandments and 365 negative commandments, which equals... 613. There you go. That's what your 604 was. Looking at your card, like, oop. These mitzvot are what tether us to the present moment. They encompass every aspect of our relationships with ourselves. That's the Bein Adam La'atzmo. With our fellow human beings, which is Bein Adam La'chavero, which we're focusing on during this time period, and Bein Adam La'makom, to God. So it's no coincidence that the human form, that the body, sinks completely with these mitzvos. And this is a teaching direct from the Zohar, from the Jewish mystical works, that teaches that the 248 limbs correspond to the positive commandments, and the 365 negative mitzvot correspond to the, the tissues and the sinews. Our bodies are divine. Our bodies have been fashioned in the pattern of Torah. So not only are our souls, but the very body that we've talked about, how on a superficial level, seemingly prevents us from rising above the physical limitations of this world, that in of itself is a Torah. So when we bring awareness to this connection, we can utilize all that is contained in the world to recognize and serve God in this corporeal body. And the work of the soul allows us to ascend beyond this material world and enter into this realm of spirit. But with our bodies, we can channel the spiritual down into the material, creating the perfection that the human life on this earth was meant to be, perfection from the inside out. And we know that the differences between the body and the soul are vast, but their combination, that is what makes man. Let us make man. The body and the soul can must work together in perfect harmony. And as we mentioned last week, and if you haven't listened to last week, you could still understand this one independently, but we see these as two together. Uh, Rabbi Nachman taught that a person must take care of his body so that it shines with each spiritual advancement that he or she achieves. Because the soul is always perceiving this and understanding these lofty levels, and the body, if it's not included, remains ignorant of them. And so what we must do is share in the soul's perceptions. The soul also will have this sort of reciprocal relationship, will benefit from the body, which is now finally attuned to spirituality. 
Because if in the instance where the soul falls from its lofty level, the body which has experienced godliness, and this is all from the teachings of Rabbi Nachman, will enable it to regain its previous level of holiness. So the bottom line is, is that there's this existential unease that we're not able to be at home with this body that feels impermanent and out of control because every single one of us knows in a deep way it's always changing our bodies our lives always in constant flux and there's pain that we can't control and that we are mortal and let's not get started on the billions of dollars that are spent to look different than we actually do so what do we do we leave we check out And the next question to just ask yourself, what are the consequences of disassociating, of leaving our bodies? What do you think the consequences are of not being fully present in our bodies? I'm going to go ahead and guess. Oh yeah, go for it. Not being present. Not being present. But we suffer because of that. Because if we're not present, right, and we're going to keep reiterating this point, is if we're not present, that means we're not fully alive. We're not fully alive if we're living someplace other than we actually are in our minds, right? Our minds are conditioned to be anywhere but here. Our bodies can't help but be anywhere but here. So we need, we need, we strongly, we strongly advise (laughs) to start using our bodies as another tool in our awakening. And we also need to look at what happens when we've left our natural awareness and fallen again into this automatic pilot mode. And for the next few minutes, we're going to talk about the warning bells that can alert us to the fact that we've disassociated from our bodies and from our full aliveness. And when we do that, when we become alerted to these alarm bells, we can start paying closer attention when we engage in these forms of disassociation and whatever we're trying to do to control our experiences and then mindfully, compassionately, gently bring ourselves back. Once we start to recognize these control strategies, you'll see how much overlap there is with bringing mindful awareness to your experiences. And what I mean by that is that these strategies, they're all various forms of trying to control our experience. And they also combine with the ways we leave our bodies. And as soon as you and I start to recognize, well, that's the beginning. Here's the alarm. Here's the wake up. Here's the recognition that we're not here anymore. Oh, I've left. I'm lost in thought. I'm not present. And here are the Mari Makomo, so we could call them alarms, wake-up bells, to when we've gotten lost in trance. And all we need to do when we come and all we need to do when we become aware of this happening is to simply come back. That's the practice. That's the practice. Come back. Back to where? Where you've been all along. It's the path of chuva. So the first big flag for me, and of course this is all just me thinking about where I get stuck, and I think it's pretty universal. We get lost in this obsessive thinking. We're creating story upon story about what exactly. I know I get so caught up in it, and it's really just the familiar cast of characters we know so well. Hello, darkness, my old friend. But in this case, it's the obsessive thinking of the worries, the planning, the rehearsing, 
how much time we're spending preparing for what might be around the corner, the imaginary conversations or arguments where we always get the last word in, where we're trying to figure something out. And I can only describe what it feels like for me. And if this resonates with you, please share. But it feels like my entire world is collapsing. And we're just not seeing the bigger picture anymore. We're in this constricted mind state, the mochin de katnus. And our field of vision becomes so tiny and small and we're no longer seeing bigger picture. And more appropriate to what we're speaking about in this pause is that we miss out on what's going on in our body, which is now synonymous for what's happening in the here and now. And what my teachers have highlighted for me is that there is a direct relationship to the intensity of our obsessive thinking, to the extent that we're unwilling to experience our body in a mindful and present way. So the more in our heads we are, the less we are in our bodies. It's a simple formula. The more in the heads we are, the less we are in the body. And we need to get out of our heads and into our lives, right? Let's repeat this as a pause point. We're going to make these into flashcards. Shout out to the amazing people at Yona Tees. Is there a potential mashup here, Neil? Let me know. The more in our heads we are, the less we are in our bodies. To the degree of intensity we're caught in obsessive thinking, there's a strong unwillingness to be here, to be in the moment, this moment, to inhabit our bodies. And as a sort of direct follow-up, following suit here, here's another alarm. Here's another call to wake up, and that's the judgmental thinking judgment. Notice the next time you find yourself in a judging mind state. And if you're anything like me, this is a deep-seated habit. For me, it ranges from like the very aversive mind state to the very subtle feeling of dis-ease. Something's wrong. Something's wrong with you. Something's wrong with me. Something's wrong with the world. This is terrible, horrible, no good, very bad. Anything else? You think I'm missing something? And just like obsessive thinking, when we enter into judgment mode and shout out to the soundtrack of Judgment Day, when we do this, we are once again leaving our bodies. But ironically, it is precisely there where there are actual feelings of aversion. This feeling of like, ichsa, it's like repulsion. Like, you know, this is like revulsions. Like, ugh. Ichsa is the best word for it. I don't know if uh, our American listeners... Um, are familiar with, but it's a, it's a good one. It's like, it, and there's a real feeling of, of, of like trying to pull yourself away. Like a rat on a subway platform. Like a rat on a subway platform. And we're just turning away from it. We want to, you know, avoid it. Or the feelings of fear, of hurt, of jealousy, of whatever it is. It's anytime we're getting those feelings, our instinctive reaction is to turn away, but what we're saying here and what we're going to keep saying here and what we're going to keep reminding ourselves is that's the only place we can actually heal. That's the only place we can actually heal. And I love this from Pema Chodron. And she writes, it's also helpful to realize that this very body that we have, that's sitting here right now with its aches and its pleasures is exactly what we need to be fully human, fully awake, fully alive, fully human, fully awake, and fully alive. And when we're caught in judgment, 
once again, we've effectively removed, we are removed from whatever it is that's actually transpiring. So, so far we've got obsessive thinking, we've got the judgmental mind, and now we can add on some other habits that we're engaging in to distract slash numb slash disassociate ourselves. And once again, this will not sound new to you. This is our familiar cast of characters. And I'm just assuming that y'all will relate to this because I know I've got them. Please not. Thank you. We know them. We know the scrolling behavior, the doomsday scrolling, the online shopping spree. We're leaving our body. We're leaving the reality here, which are in our bodies in the here and now. And at the same time, trying to grab the next fix. And it ends up being online and I won't show you my screen time because you won't show me yours. Ugh. Does anyone know how to quit Twitter? Benji.pause at meaningfulminute.org. You know how to quit Twitter? I, I don't go on Twitter. You don't go on Twitter. Right. The only way to quit is to never start. Right. So if anyone knows how to quit Twitter and don't say just quit Twitter because that doesn't help. Benji.pause at MeaningfulMinute.org or DrBenji.com. Please share your tips. That doesn't mean I'm not addicted to Instagram. Though. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, pick your poison. Pick your poison. And we use the word addiction. I'm loath to use that word. It is thrown around quite flippantly, but I would agree with you. This is a behavioral addiction. It's a behavior that gives us temporary pleasure that we use to avoid or whatever it is to fill in that that insert feeling that it is, that we find pleasurable in the moment and that we have difficulty or inability to stop. And we end up spending more time than we'd care to admit. But now everybody knows. Is anyone out there? I know there's thousands of you out there that can feel exactly how I feel. So compassion. It's a behavioral addiction and we're engaging in it to do anything literally, but feel and be fully present with what we're currently experiencing right now. And there's so many more alarm bells, but the, the, the final one that I want to talk about um, that should be alerting us that we've been pulled away from awareness of our bodies, and this one's obviously near and dear to us here at Pause TM, is speed. Got the need for speed. We have this underlying impetus to get more done to produce more, to always be doing more. And the feeling is that there's just, there just aren't enough hours in the day. And of course, we're going to remind ourselves of the teaching from the Baal Shem Tov, who explains on the words, which we say daily, or we attempt to say daily in the Shema prayer. And literally it means that you will be banished quickly. But he interprets it to mean that we need to dispel of this notion that we have to be acting in a hurried manner. We need to remove this feeling or this awareness or this behavior of mehera, right? Because that gets in the way of living with full presence. One of the masters was asked why he practices mindfulness. And this is a man who's been practicing meditation for decades consistently why he practices mindfulness. And he replied, so I will see the tiny purple flowers 
by the side of the road as I walk to town each day. When we're moving half as fast, we're going to inevitably end up noticing two times more than we would have. Math checks out. Life moves pretty fast, Dan Wurzberger teaches us. If you don't pause to look around once in a while, you could miss it. And that's our wisdom from Dan here. I hope the editor makes that one into a video. We speed through things, and we don't notice the world. A few years ago, I was at a funeral, and um, it was a levia for someone who passed away in an untimely fashion. And if you know Yerushalayim, the Hevra Kadisha here um, can move, can do things abruptly. There, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty intense uh, process. And they were sort of moving the kvura, the burial, along. And the father of the person who passed away asked them to just uh, slow it down. And he said this. I heard him say. He says, because I'm in no rush. I'm in no rush. And another story that I came across is a woman who was given some sort of of terminal diagnosis, uh, gave her about a year to live. And she had a young child also. And there was this real tsar, this real anguish of... There's not so much time left. And her mantra was, I have no time to rush. I'm in no rush. We don't have time to rush. So those are the four alarm bells to sort of wake us up, to bring ourselves back to the moment. I'm reminded of a story in Camp Ask when I was working there, and one of the campers would always be asking her counselors, where are we going? It was a little bit of a kind of a tick, um, combination of anxiety, her unique developmental condition, but she would do it dozens of times a day. Where are we going? Where are we going? And she did it with a little bit of a sing-song. Where are we going? Where are we going? And one of her counselors approached me and asked me, you know, she was doing such a great job, but she was starting to feel a little bit frustrated. She kept asking herself, the, you know, asking herself and asking her counselors, whoever she was with, the same question over and over and over again. And we worked on how we could really turn this into a practice, to turn it into an inquiry, to really pause right here. Where are we going? Where are we going? Where are we going really? And you all know, consciously or subconsciously, where the finish line is, right? And this is actually going to be the focus of my next book. Not so much death per se, but using a healthy death awareness to inform our lives because if we all know where we're going can we use that to maximize on this time here on the precious time we have on this go around on this earth yeah and if you want to sponsor that i'm open we're wide open so uh next book sponsors come on and you're the next contestant on sponsor my next book So we are tearing through life, and what's the finish line? Where are we going, and how much are we really dropping in? When we're attempting to control the uncontrollable experience of life, we're just simply not experiencing life. And that isn't to say that we're not engaged in planning and thinking and thoughts. 
It just means that we're more of an active participant. There's more agency in deciding and choosing as to whether or not we're going to get lost in them and how we can be more discerning and clear about the usefulness of our thinking. And if they're indeed something that we can be using to cultivate more healing, creativity, to communicate our needs more fully, and also just to be able to see when we're engaging in the less skillful utility of thought, that's just going to lead to more anxiety, more separation, more self-aversion, and more disassociation. So becoming awake in the body begins to open us up to a much larger awareness. When we're disassociated, we're not trusting ourselves because we know we're avoiding something. But when we start connecting, the trust grows. Trust the process. I remember when I was on retreat recently, and it was like the third or fourth day, and I remember there was this beautiful lookout, Mitzpe Amitim. And I remember pausing. And I was already pretty, you know, present in my body from the, the marathon meditation sessions. And I just said to myself, take it all in. Just open all of your senses to it all. And it really clicked. Mind, body, same place, same time. This is Vishakhanti Bisocham, fully inhabiting the here and now, fully awake fully alive. There is so much more here, but as we shift to the meditation portion, just remember we are never going to stray too far from our mindfulness of the body because it will always anchor us to the here and now. And I really love this practice because it combines what we did over Pesach and brings it into the body. So here we go. There's a saying to be careful what you say to yourself because you are listening. And what this short meditation is going to do is cultivate loving kindness specifically oriented towards your body. This meditation can sometimes bring up challenging emotions, so please remember to be gentle with yourself. So welcome to this loving kindness for the body meditation. So beginning by finding a comfortable posture that feels relaxed yet awake, you can either sit or lie down for this practice. Maybe the body feels tired or maybe there's stories about the body. But can we allow or give permission to whatever our experience is? And of course, when we sit down to meditate, you might expect to become peaceful and quiet but often the first thing you might actually experience is tightness and pain in the sensations of your body. Perhaps you become more aware of all the tensions you've been carrying, you've been busy running around, or you've experienced a period of difficulties. As you slow down and become more mindful, you'll probably be first aware of everything you've been ignoring in your body. It might seem that you'll never get beyond this discomfort, but as we continue this practice, your perspective will grow and you'll become aware that being in a body is sometimes painful and sometimes pleasant. The important question is, can you touch the difficulties in your body with mindfulness? Do you ignore your body and convince yourself that your physical body doesn't matter? 
Healing starts by simply being mindful of the body as it is. So settling into your posture and taking a moment now to take some deeper than normal breaths if that feels right. Inhaling deeply and then exhaling, releasing. Now just allowing your breath to resume its natural rhythm and taking a moment to connect now with the simple sensations of the body breathing, feeling the breath as it enters the body and leaves the body. You might even visualize your blood cells taking up the breath and converting it into pure energy. Imagining if you can the cells of your organs, the bones, muscles, tissues, receiving oxygenated blood being nourished in this way. And now bringing to mind any concerns that you might have about your physical self. You may recall familiar themes that come up around your body Maybe opinions, beliefs that you hold in your own mind about your body, both positive or negative. Just allowing whatever comes up to come up. You might have worries about your state of health or stamina, about the body changing over time or as you age perhaps about past attention or inattention to your body. You may have regrets about choices you've made in the past concerning your physical self. Gently recognizing whatever thoughts about your body may come up as we contemplate the body together. Now with intention, noticing any emotions or thoughts that have arisen around the stories of your past or present physical body. And as these themes and memories may be somewhat difficult, gently remembering to take care of yourself. And if it feels right, You might place a hand over your heart or elsewhere as a way to not only bring awareness, but loving awareness and kindness towards yourself. Relaxing into this gesture of self-compassion, perhaps even allowing for a sense of ease to enter your body and mind. Inviting the body to relax, to release, inviting an experience of Inhabiting this body directly, beyond words or ideas or judgments, simply this lived experience of being in this body, in this moment, being here now, in this body, in this moment, a body that is whole, alive, and complete. 
a body that does not need to be perfect simply allowing this body to be just as it is right now and if it feels right for you offering yourself the following phrases silently may this body be safe and protected from harm may wisdom and love protect this body always may this body be at ease no matter the conditions of life may I be at peace in this body may this body be safe and protected from inner and outer harm may wisdom and love protect this body always may this body be at ease no matter the twists and turns of life may I be at peace in this body just feeling this willingness to be present with the body as an act of love simple generous it's really it's an act of kindness to be present and be willing to be close to be willing to offer a few gentle wishes and you could use your own words or the ones that we've provided just allowing the heart to be generous towards this body I care about this body may this body be safe may this body be safe and protected from harm may the deepest wisdom and love protect this body always may I be at ease no matter the conditions may I be at peace in this body may I be at peace in this body and now gently letting go of the phrases simply resting for a moment in your own experience allowing it to be whatever it is right now
All right now. Thank you so much again for pausing with us today. We really appreciate it. Sign up, share, review, buy the t-shirts if you want to support the next book. And uh, yeah, the goal is soul. Looking forward to pausing together real soon. Baruch Adonai Leolam. Amen Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. And of course, to see more content from Pause, you can sign up for our WhatsApp status. Hit the link in the description where we post content every day throughout the day. Content from Dr. Epstein and others. Thank you for listening.